Hello, and welcome to The Doctor Is In, a podcast created by the healthcare experts of IU Health Physicians at IU Health Fort Wayne. In this podcast series, you will learn all about important, timely, and interesting health matters as they relate to you, the listener, and all from those who know it the best. Now, sit back and enjoy this episode of The Doctor Is In. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our ongoing series of podcasts provided by Indiana University Health Fort Wayne. I'm Jeff Randolph. I'm the Chief Medical Officer for IU Health Fort Wayne, and I'm joined today by Dr. Jonathan Grease, who is a board-certified family medicine physician practicing in our uh, IU Health Engle Road office. Dr. Grease takes care of um, all ages, newborn through geriatric, and he does perform minor procedures as well. And today we'll talk a little bit about skin health and some of the things that you can do to improve your skin health, to diminish the effects of aging, and also to um, be able to identify and recognize and treat um, skin cancers. Welcome, Dr. Grease. Thanks for joining me. Um, Let me start by just asking you a very general question, which is, what can our listeners do to keep their skin healthy or to get their skin healthy? Well, first of all, Jeff, thanks for having me. Um, But to answer your question, uh, really, we need to limit sun exposure in general Um, and the reason for that is because the UV light especially in fair complected people like myself for those listening uh, I have red hair so I have very fair (laughs) complexion Um, and so I start burning after 10-15 minutes being out in the sun but protecting yourself from the UV light will definitely help not only with aging but reduction of skin cancer uh, and things like that so um, I also say sleep regularly as much as you can and stay hydrated uh, as well so yeah skin hydration is important we're going to talk a little about that with topical hydration but also how you hydrate yourself internally affects the functionality of your skin doesn't it correct it does so uh, staying hydrated allows your skin to maintain its normal elasticity which is very important in its thermal not only thermal regulatory but also protective properties against the environment so yeah, that's terrific. So um, you mentioned your skin color and um, your, the proneness that you have to sun injury. Talk a little bit about the different skin types. What is it that makes for a different skin type and, um, and how do people know that they're either more vulnerable or less vulnerable? So there's a couple things we look at. So first of all, we look at the amount of pigment that uh, a person might have. So the pigment comes from certain cells in our skin called melanocytes um, and that the, you know, your people who are fair complected like myself have less melanin while people like African Americans um, produce a lot of melanin and that's what gives them their dark color with their skin. Um, other things we look for are, um, you know, are there certain types of moles or skin lesions also. Um, also the things that we look for are elasticity. Um, generally as you get older you lose some of that elasticity um, which is important for protection. Um, also, we look at the amount of oils that the skin produces. Some people have a nice balance, what we call natural skin. Other people can have very oily skin, or some people can have very dry skin as well. So, That's interesting. So when you talk about skin types that are associated with the amount of pigment, are there other features that have... Um, that make you uh, maybe in a class that's more vulnerable, like eye color and hair color, are those things that are somehow associated with the way your skin behaves? Um, 
in a way, um, generally your fair complected people, people who have blonde hair, red hair like myself, or freckles, mm -hmm. um, tend to be more susceptible to s sun when exposed, mm -hmm. versus people who have a lot more uh, melanin um, that generally protects us from, from sun exposure, so. Good, so uh, talk with me a little about sunscreen. Um, I know that it's recommended that people use it, uh, but tell us a little bit about how you know what the what's the SPF of a sunscreen for instance I'm curious about what that is so that's that's an excellent question um, generally speaking there are two types of sunscreens there are your minerals or your inorganics which is typically your zinc oxides and then you also have your organics um, the, the slight difference is, is the or inorganics so like your zinc oxide tends to reflect uh, the UV light where um, your organics tend to absorb it and then release it back uh, away from your skin. So it's a little bit different uh, physiology there. Um, but both of them do the same thing. Um, when it comes to how strong the sunscreen, we talk about SPF, which stands for Sun Protection Factor. And what it is, is it's actually a multiplication. So generally speaking, I am fair complected. I generally start to burn in about 10 to 15 minutes of sun exposure, uh, especially out in the middle of the day. Um, when you put on sunscreen, whatever that number is, so if I put on an SPF of 10, mm -hmm. I extend my body's ability to not burn um, by a factor of 10. So if I burn in 10 to 15 minutes, I'll, if I put on SPF 10, I'll start burning in 100 to 150 minutes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. I generally use an SPF of at least 30, so I'm multiplying my factor prevention by 30. Um, I would say most of your fair complected people generally need at least a 30. Some people might recommend a 15, which is okay. Um, mm -hmm. Anything above 30 might not give you as much protection as you think, um, but I, I also use SPF 50. Probably more importantly though is how often you apply it. So generally speaking, you want to apply it at least 10 to 15 minutes, if not 20, before you go outside. So the sunscreen has a chance to get into your skin and take effect. Mm -hmm. um, if you're outside and you're not particularly working real hard and you're not sweaty or not swimming, a sunscreen will generally last you one to two hours. Mm -hmm. So generally you want to apply it at least every two hours. If you are in the water swimming or doing hard labor and sweating a lot, most of your sunscreens are only water resistant for usually 60 to 80 minutes. You need to check with whatever sunscreen brand you're using. So you want to really apply it about every hour. Mm -hmm. That's cool. So who would have thought there was a math problem in all of this? Huh? I like hearing the connection to math and making some calculations, but it sounds like from what you're saying that an SPF 30 is probably a good practical number and frequent reapplication is really the key. I would Make agree. Sure you reapply. Okay. Talk to me a little bit about the spray-ons because it's easy and Sometimes the kids don't stand still very well, so you know you figure you fire them with a spray, it works, but tell me about what your experience is with that and what your thoughts are about it. So I generally do not like the spray-on suntan lotions. Um, one, they don't give you an even layer of sunscreen protection mm -hmm. um, because it's part of it's dependent on the propellant you know, spraying on the sunscreen. Um, I might generally use it on the scalp, um, sprayed on hair if you're concerned about getting sunscreen, especially on boys um, who might be not wearing a hat uh, to, to try to help cover the scalp, which is I think is a reasonable option. In, in general, I don't think the spray-ons absorb very well. Um, in my personal experience, um, they tend not to help prevent sunburn as much as I would like. So. Okay. 
Yeah, I, I think that's been my experience too. I, I, I think it's better than nothing, but probably not as good as a good, strong, broad application of an SPF that's in a cream form. So, All right, so let's talk a little bit about hydration. You mentioned it earlier. I really like the fact that you mentioned that for skin health. Um, talk a little bit about how you decide do you need to moisturize, and then once you know that you should or shouldn't, how do you decide which, which type to use? So there are generally three different types of moisturizers. There's ointments, lotions, and creams. And the difference is the amount of water versus oil component in the, uh, in the uh, substance. So generally most people will, can use a moisturizing cream, which is roughly a balanced 50-50 water versus uh, oil solution. Mm -hmm. You know, that's gonna cover most of your people. For people who have drier skin, they're going to want more of an ointment mm -hmm. because it has a higher oil content, which will help keep uh, help keep the skin nice, smooth, and moist. Mm -hmm. uh, people who have more oily skin are probably going to want a, um, a lotion because it's a higher content of water and less oil. So you mm -hmm. don't want to add to the already uh, amount of oil on the skin. Um, how much and how often depends on several things. One, weather plays a big role. Mm -hmm. Obviously in the winter time, there's not as much humidity. You're probably going to apply three to four times a day if you want to maintain a natural, natural moisture. Summertime, we have more humidity in the air. You're probably not going to apply it as much, maybe once or twice a day. Um, one of the other things I also say is, you know, when, when taking a shower, um, you really don't want to spend a lot of time in the water. Mm -hmm. You know, baths, as much as we love to take them, mm -hmm. are not good for your skin That's because it will leach out the natural oils. You also want to tend to use a more mild soap mm -hmm. uh, as best you can. So that way you're also, again, not taking out the natural oils of the skin. So That's great. So when I'm looking at my skin to try and decide um, how much or with, if I need to add moisture, what might be the signs I'd be looking for in my skin? Is there anything that you can tell me that a person would want to be seeing that would say, ooh, I better start applying yeah. moisturizer? So uh, skin that is in desperate need of moisture tends to be very dry, very cracked, sometimes mm -hmm. even red and inflamed. Um, and the, the problem with this is we all tend in the wintertime tend to wash our hands a little more because people might be sick. Well, mm -hmm. the repetitive washing can often cause dry, cracked hands, mm -hmm. um, but that can be anywhere on the body. Um, and, you know, and certain people are very prone to having dry skin. We call it eczema. Mm -hmm. um, and essentially, we treat it in a lot of the same ways. We tell people to moisturize. Occasionally, we might have them take a topical steroid for a short course to kind of decrease some of that inflammation and allow the skin to heal on its own. Yeah, so talk about that just a little bit, the use of topical steroids, because um, we understand you get it out for poison ivy, you get it out for other inflammatory conditions, but it sounds like there might be conditions in which, like eczema, where there's an inflammatory component that's significant enough that you need to control it. So Correct, talk yes. Talk a little bit about that. We often use steroids in short bursts um, for people who have eczema or repetitive dry skin, there's conditions uh, of the hand or other parts of the body called dyshydrotic eczema where mm -hmm. repetitive water exposure to the skin essentially causes that dryness, the cracking, the redness, the inflammation. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we always recommend moisturizing as the first treatment, but sometimes it just doesn't do enough for the patient to get healing. You have to actually calm down the body's immune response a little bit in order for the skin to heal. and. How long and how often depends upon the severity uh, of the skin. 
Um, sometimes you might get away with just some topical hydrocortisone and that's enough. Sometimes mm -hmm. you need a, a stronger steroid that you'd have to get a prescription for. So okay. if you have concerns, I always encourage you to talk to your doctor. So. Yeah, good. That's great. Well, um, yeah, I think that this concept of um, a gradation of moisturizers is really good too. It's the ointments are hard to rub in, uh, but they really do provide a higher level of oil to the skin, which is really what it's lacking. So any suggestions about that? Or is that one of those things where you just stay with it? And how it, do you? it is. Um, I, I tend to tell people if you're using ointments, you don't, you don't tend to need a lot, mm -hmm. okay? It's something that spreads generally fairly easy because of the oil content. Um, so it's not like you have to take a bath in this stuff, so to speak. Um, mm -hmm. A small amount goes a long way. Um, you know, and if, and if it doesn't, if you're worried about ruining your clothes, it's okay. You know, you don't have to use an ointment. Sometimes you can get away with creams, which generally tend to rub in a little mm. bit easier, tend to be less messy. So you just have to find what works for you. Yeah. So. Maybe more frequent applications of cream instead of, uh, mm -hmm. instead yeah. of the ointments. Yeah. Good. So let's talk about aging because skin is probably the biggest manifester of aging. Um, talk a little bit about what are the elements, what are the things that make your skin age more readily, and then we'll talk a little bit about what we might do about it. But. So as we touched on a little bit earlier, so when skin ages, it becomes thinner, mm -hmm. so it's more prone to cuts and tears. Um, it also loses its elasticity. Um, you also see more wrinkles, mm -hmm. and that's just a natural some of it's a natural part of aging. Mm -hmm. um, to help limit this, um, we talked a little bit about earlier, you really need to protect yourself from the skin um, mm -hmm. because there are certain wavelengths of ultraviolet light which cause sunburns, but they also are very prone to causing aging. Mm -hmm. So it increases sunspots, sun damage, as well as wrinkles. Um, hydration, as we talked about, is very important. Um, because you want to maintain the body's natural elasticity as much as possible um, to help uh, to help maintain skin care. Another thing that people may or may not know is they need to not smoke. Mm. Smoking in its entirety causes skin to age so much. Um, for instance, I've got several patients in my practice that might be the same age, but you can tell the one that smokes because they just tend to look older. Mm. Um, and by not smoking, uh, you save so much life on your skin. So, what do you think the mechanism? Do you have any ideas about that? What I'm sure it has to do with some of the uh, carcinogens as well as the chemicals in the cigarette mm -hmm. itself um, that just gets deposited in the skin. I I don't have a firm theory mm -hmm. on that, but it's like anything else. Uh, putting chemicals in your body that shouldn't be there generally is not a good idea. There's a consequence. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Some place so. there's a consequence. Yeah, that's fascinating. Um, I, I think it's just another reason why people probably should be tobacco-free or at least smoke-free um, is that concept of aging. So the aging changes will show up by thinning and by the loss of elasticity or spring in the skin. Are there, are there pigment changes that happen with aging of the skin and what kind of changes might those look like? Yeah, so what I, I talked about earlier is sometimes you get what's called sunspots, which are, uh, they look like little brown um, dots or what we call macules that can get bigger over time. Um, you can also have some chronic inflammation of the skin where you get this underlying redness of the skin that's just chronically inflamed from UV exposure as well. Um, as you also get older, you can get um, more uh, what we call keratoses, mm -hmm. which are just skin lesions that will pop up. They're not necessarily related to UV light, 
but it's just something that we commonly see as people generally get older. Um, generally, they don't cause any issues. Um, you might have to take it off if it's in a weird area or cosmetically sensitive area mm -hmm. that you don't want it anymore. Um, and then also, unfortunately, skin cancers arise as well. So. Yeah, right. So when we talk about keratosis, when you refer to that, how would a person recognize it? Is it something you feel? Is it something you see? What does it look like and what does it feel it like? It is. So benign keratosis, what we call a subarate keratosis, kind of is an elevated round uh, lesion that literally looks like, I, and this is kind of just a, a, uh, a graphic description, but it looks like it was stuck on, almost like a oh, sticker. Uh -huh. Um, and it's got very clear margins. They're typically brown, not sometimes black, but they're elevated. Sometimes there's hairs coming out of it. Um, but it's a very particular look to it. Once mm -hmm. you see it, you know what it is. Mm -hmm. So, um, but if, if you have any questions about any any spots, always can you know consult yeah, with your doctor. Your doctor so, right. yep. So the ones that are called actinic, those. Those have a connection to sun, theoretically, and what would those look like? Correct. How, they, how so, are they distinguished from So an actinic keratosis looks like a little cutaneous, what I call a horn. It's basically just a rough patch of skin that sticks out. So mm -hmm. the difference between that and eczema is eczema is typically flat and dry and mm -hmm. rough. This is a little, almost like a horn that just sticks mm -hmm. out. And this is a sign of skin damage that has changed the cells to the point where it, it is now a precancerous lesion. Mm -hmm. So the lesion in itself, the actinic keratosis, is not harmful, but may may actually turn into cancer if left untreated. So Okay, good. So let's use that as a transition to talk a little bit about the extreme form of things, which is the skin cancers. There's three common ones so talk to me a little bit about what those common skin cancers are and then we'll kind of tackle each one of those individually oh perfect so the, the three main types the first type is the squamous cell carcinoma so it is a progressed form of the actinic keratosis and it it looks like uh, again it's a, a rough cutaneous horn it's just from the keratin buildup on the skin mm -hmm. um, and it uh, generally if we can't tell what a lesion is we will biopsy it so we'll take a little piece out of it and then it's sent off to a pathologist and then we get a definitive diagnosis. Um, uh, the second type is uh, basal cell carcinoma. Uh, it uh, arises a little bit deeper in the skin, hence the basal, mm -hmm. for the ba it comes from the mm -hmm. bottom layer of the skin. Um, and it looks like a round, almost clear to flesh-colored papule. Mm -hmm. um, and it, again, if we don't know what it is, we'll take a biopsy of it, send it off to the pathologist. These two skin cancers in itself, although I will never say cancer is good, these tend to be less aggressive than the third most con or the third type, which is melanoma, which we'll talk about here in a second. Mm -hmm. um, these tend to be treated easily with either um, limited uh, treatments of cryotherapy, which is liquid nitrogen, mm -hmm. or if it's too large or in a particular place, we might have to cut it out. Mm -hmm. um, they generally do not spread in the body. So as long as you get them treated while um, limited to your skin, you don't have to typically worry about them, although you do have to do skin checks, which we'll talk about here in a minute. Mm -hmm. The third uh, type of skin cancer is melanoma, which by large is our most fearsome form of, of skin cancer because it has the ability to do uh, to spread in the body and ultimately can lead to some morbidity and unfortunately mortality. Mm -hmm. um, these lesions look flat. They're little brown flat lesions and they vary in size. 
Um, and there's certain characteristics we look at to determine is this just a mole versus are we concerned for melanoma. One is size. Mm -hmm. If it's growing, that's always a bad sign. Generally, uh, small moles that are unchanging are completely benign. Um, we also look at the edges of them. Are they nice and smooth are, or are they very uh, irregular? An irregular border is not a good sign. Um, and one of the other things we look at is the color. If the color is uniform throughout the lesion, that's generally a very good sign. Lesions that are multicolored that vary from black to brown, we call it variegated, is generally a bad sign and could be a sign of melanoma. Okay, good. Well, that's a great synopsis. So let's talk a little bit about what you can accomplish in the office here if you see a patient related to um, the procedural side. So if you, were, if you were to see a lesion or a patient was to come to you with a lesion they were concerned about and you were going to do a biopsy, mm -hmm. how do you go about doing that? Can you do it right in the office? And what might a person expect if they were going to do that? Yes, so that's an excellent question. Um, with basal cells and uh, squamous cell carcinomas, you can come in um, and we look at it and if I think we need a biopsy, we can do it that same day as your appointment. Um, it just takes a little bit of anesthesia, a little local lidocaine is all you need. Mm -hmm. um, I'll take a little razor blade, I will take a snippet of it and we'll send it off to pathologist. If it's uh, if the margins, meaning if I didn't get the whole lesion, which I generally do not try to get the whole lesion depending on what it is. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we might have you come back and we can do, uh, we can either do some cryotherapy to it or we can excise it for you. Um, and also then, under local? Correct, under mm -hmm. local anesthesia. Um, and then to make sure we got it all, um, we send the uh, excisional biopsy off to the pathologist to make sure it's all gone and then you can go on about your day. So generally in two visits, we can treat you very well. Mm -hmm. Melanoma becomes a little bit more difficult uh, in the sense of the diagnosis. Um, you do a biopsy similar to uh, a squamous and basal cell. However, you've got to go a little bit deeper because mm -hmm. the depth of the melanoma is used in, the de in determining the stage of the melanoma, meaning how far it's progressed. Mm -hmm. I personally, and this is just my personal practice, generally if I'm concerned about a lesion for melanoma, I typically send it off to the dermatologist um, for them to do it um, just to make sure because it is important that you get the right depth of the mm -hmm. lesion. So. Um, but if you are afraid of it, of going to see another specialist and you want to do it here, we are, we are able to do uh, the initial biopsy. Mm -hmm. Once the diagnosis is made, then it determines on where it needs to go from there. Um, with the melanoma and the basal cells, like I said, we can treat those right here. Or sorry, basal cells and squamous cells, we can treat those right here in the mm -hmm. office. Melanoma becomes a little bit more intense because you probably are going to see a cancer doctor mm -hmm. uh, uh, in addition to maybe seeing either a dermatologist or a plastic surgeon, depending on where the lesion is. So, yeah. Good. That's great. Um, so are there any other things that you would want to alert people to about their skin health or skin safety or anything? Is there any closing remarks that you would want to make? So I generally tell people uh, the only, uh, if you have to be outside, especially in the summertime, try to avoid the hours of roughly 11 or noon to roughly 3 or 4 because that is when the UV light is the strongest. Oh, that's a really good point. Uh, so UV light in itself is independent of temperature. Temperatures generally are warmer in the afternoon to evening. However, your UV light uh, is much stronger during the midday. Mm -hmm. So um, I always recommend try to avoid activities if you can uh, during the midday. If you can't, then make sure you wear your sunscreen 
wear your protective shirts and try to wear a hat if you can. Yeah, I'm really glad you mentioned that. You know, we didn't talk about that in the body of this conversation, but that protective clothing really matters. It, especially, I mean, there is some clothing that actually has specific mm -hmm. um, activity of preventing UV penetration. Not all your clothing does that, right? Correct. Uh, there are certain clothes that definitely are rated, have SPF rating on them, which is fantastic. Mm -hmm. um, but any clothing is better than no clothing. So <laughs> <laughs> when it comes to sun protection. Okay, that's great, John. Well, thank you so much for spending time with me today talking about skin health. Uh, hopefully that's been a benefit to our listeners and hopefully they pass this on to all those folks and their families that uh, have the susceptible skin or vulnerable skin. And I think there was good tidbits in here for virtually everybody. So thanks so much. Thanks for having me, Dr. Randolph. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Doctor Is In. We hope you join us next time too.